0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform designed for and by outdoorsmen. Go Wild is a place to connect with other outdoorsmen, find fishing and hunting tips and tactics, and you can even research and buy your gear. Join hundreds of thousands of other hunters, fishermen, and outdoorsmen and experience what this community is all about. Download it today at DownloadGoWild.com.
1: Check out Dogs Are Treat at DogsAreTreat.com, and if you go to their website at checkout, And enter the code HXP20% off. You will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartreed.com. podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance.
2: Get him! Get Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, boy. good boy, Ranger!
1: Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. So how many days how many days a week can you spend on
0: As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there.
1: Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll
2: tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. Hey Houndsman
1: XP fans. We are back on the podcast with Cleve Dwyer and we are continuing the uh, the lion hunting saga and and i brought in some heavy guns with me. Somebody's actually can can talk about this thing with some experience besides Cleve and uh, Shorty. Shorty Gorham is on the podcast. So here we go. How's it going, guys?
2: Man, it's great. I'm glad to be here. I've been listening to them, missing out, and uh glad to glad to be able to join
0: in on this one. Yeah. 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 Going good. Glad to be back.
1: Yeah. So uh, Cleve, you, you've done it. You've done a great job. You sent me more amazing notes and different things, and I'm I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you again and, and let you run with this thing and, and talk about, but I think the main thing we want to talk about is uh, finding kills and then sorting out tracks around those kills on this particular chapter of uh, of your your uh, podcast here so i'm just gonna turn it over to you and kick it to you and say go for it man
0: uh, yeah well well it's your podcast i'm just a guest so
1: <laughs> this is your um,
0: show <laughs> i don't know um yeah i'd kind of like to reiterate on some of the points i went over in the first podcast yeah <clears throat> if possible there were some that I didn't get a really touch on.
1: And well, I guess, why I guess don't we I re- can... recap that for you know, just recap what we talked about in the last podcast. And and yeah. as you go through that, I'll look up uh which episode that actually was. It's a couple of weeks ago. But just go ahead and recap and cover the things that you think you need to,
0: to go more in depth on. Okay. Um, I think we talked quite a bit about um, reading mountain lion's scat, the contents of the scat, say, uh, quite a bit of, say, hair and meat in the scat will indicate you got a pretty fresh kill someplace close by or close, uh um, somewhere, in, somewhere in there, you, you got a lion there, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then if you got a lot of bone in that scat, then there's a good chance he's towards the end of his kill and he might be moving to another area to look for another kill, um, on, on that same thing we i didn't get to talk a whole lot about um mountain lions eating grass sometimes in between kills i've noticed we've noticed that they will eat some grass in between kills and i don't know if that cleans them out i think it cleans them out or something but sometimes you'll see where they're passing uh, strands of grass in their scat mm-hmm. and uh, so if you see that then you, you got a, a good idea that he's He's in between kills as well.
1: Let me ask you this: Why is why have you spent so much time, you know, working on? I mean, looking at mountain lion crap, and you know, trying to figure out why mountain lions are eating this or eating that. Once you once you go into that, I'm curious.
0: I don't know. I guess uh, the more you learn about them, the better you have a chance at catching them. But it's it's one of those things you start you start studying them, and, and it's intriguing to see every single one of their habits and sometimes those are you know sometimes those are helpful and sometimes they don't help you all that much but um, we've kind of just noticed things over the years and made pretty good notes of it and then when you notice it again and you notice that it becomes a habit for most mountain lions and then you know it's it's something to go by so I don't know it's, it just seems to help you quite a bit on reading the mountain lion and getting a feel for him if you will the more you know about him what he's been doing the last 10 days will give you a good idea of what he's going to be doing in, in the next four or five days mm-hmm. per se so um i know i know it sounds kind of crazy to be paying attention to mountain lion crap but um no, not at if, all. if you know if you know what he's eating then you, you know where he's going so exactly yeah so Shorty you got something?
2: No, well, I, you know, he's he's right. And so for me, if, if I trail a lion and I don't catch him today, my the end of my day while I'm still in, in the in the swing of things is is planning for tomorrow, you know, like okay, what's what what's this lion doing? Where do I need to go? What do I need to do? How am I gonna catch him tomorrow? And by reading that scat, a lot of times you can tell, just like you're saying, you know, if there's if there's bone in it, if there's grass in it, are they are they uh if there's meat in it, or at the beginning of the kill, or the, at the end of the kill. If, they, if there's no bones, if it's all meat and stuff, okay, and I'm planning for tomorrow, I'm gonna plan that the last probably gonna come back to this kill. If there's bones and grass in it and he's at the end of that kill. I need to go look where's this line going next. So yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot to be said about looking at a scat and, and trying to figure out what, what his next move is by, by what you saw out of that scat. So no, I, I, I totally, there's not a scat pile that I go by that I don't stop, get off my mule and look at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to kind of lay that out there and, and talk about why it's so important to know the game that we're hunting. It's not just about turning the dog loose, not just turning like right. I mean you guys you guys are mountain line experts. <laughs> and we're trying to make other people increase knowledge here. So you
2: can go for it, curious.
0: That's right. Exactly. That's yeah. 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 You can never have too much knowledge. And sometimes I've I've noticed that what is I don't know what would what you would think is you know, written in stone in one area, you'd go to another region, and that might just be a hypothesis. You know it' just be might be a theory because you go to another region and mountain lions have different habits for different regions. Some of them share the same exact habits. Some regions are totally different. And uh I guess we we'll get into that later on in this podcast, maybe, but but uh, I guess one thing I was wanting to uh really capitalize on is is uh is maybe you can just reinforce that point is to look at that scat like like Shorty' saying, you know you you can really figure out what a lion's gonna be doing in the next few days if uh, if you can see what he's been eating now and what yeah. he's been doing, you know, yeah.
1: And we'll pick up that conversation right after this word from our sponsor. Southern Hound Honey Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest. From the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. Cleve, this is the third time you've been on our podcast talking about lion hunting. And uh, if anybody hasn't heard the first two, I think they probably ought to go back and listen to those. That would have been episode 116. And then uh, again, in episode 122, tons of valuable knowledge in there, kind of give you everybody an opportunity to to get to know who you are, Cleve, and, and hear those first two before we we go into this thing. So we're trying to progress through some of this stuff because i think it's valuable the way you've got it laid out so that's where i'm at and uh let's get right back into it about talking about uh you know scat and, and why we need to 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 be paying attention to some of that stuff but go for it please.
0: yeah uh another point i was wanting to make is besides scat um, if, if you st- start seeing, st- start seeing a lot of lion scratches and Tom scratches are pretty distinct. If he's making a lot of scratches there, some of them will have scat in them, some of them won't, but if he's making a pile of them, I mean, two or three underneath this tree and he walks up the trail or up the two tack r- road or Canyon, another 50, 60 yards and makes another one or two start looking around. Cause you probably got got a lion kill someplace close by. And when you you do start looking around, you going want to look for birds. And I got it broke down into three different regions. There's different bird behavior, different bird species for different regions.
1: Well, before and, we get uh, there, before we get there, so a lion will make two or three scratches under a tree. It's not different lions coming in there and making scratches beside another tom or a lion's scratch.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. So it's, it's oftentimes it's not different lines coming in there. So if you say maybe three or four scratches in a quarter mile area, one might be under this tree right next to the road. Another one might be maybe two or 300 yards off the road. And there might be two or three scratches underneath another, another tree further up that, that Tom's going to make scratches. And I, uh, I think what they do and some other really good line hunters have kind of told me this as well they'll make them scratches to let a female know that they got a kill there. a female she can read those scratches so she comes into those scratches she's she knows what those scratches mean more than we would you know mm-hmm. obviously they're more intuitive than than we are to that so she'll start hunting up a, up a kill or hunting up that tom and uh, that's pretty good. That's, that's a pretty good indication. You got to kill that's pay dirt if you got a bunch of scratches in a small area and a small area, I mean, maybe, maybe a quarter mile wide by three quarters of a mile long. You, if you got half a dozen scratches or 10 or 12 scratches in an area that, that size, there's a good chance you got to, got to kill there. And at that point, you're going to want to start looking for birds. And then uh, those birds can, really tip you off and let you know what what where a mountain line scratch or a mountain line kill might be or right or or whatever you know and and you've got this you've uh, got this first
1: you've got it broke down by regions of the country
0: yeah okay yeah Yeah. Yeah, let's hear it man places we've hunted and uh, things we've experienced so there might be somebody on here that says i don't agree with that but it's not written in stone but these are some things that we've experienced in different regions so if you are if you're hunting in say colorado in the rocky mountains the the birds you want to be you're, you're going to want to be looking for are magpies and for some people that don't know what magpies are they're they're bird about maybe i don't know almost twice the size of a robin they got a long tail they're black and white, and they're they're about half human. They're intelligent. They're Norio, an crow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they're black and white, and and uh, most of the time they flock in in groups of anywhere from two to twelve. Most time, ta- most of the time, they're under a half a dozen in a group. And once they find a kill, whether it's a lion kill, coyote kill, road kill, you know, gut pile from an elk hunter, or deer hunter, or something. Typically, those birds will take turns on watch so that you might have four or five that are feeding on that gut pile or that lion kill or coyote kill. And there's typically, typically be one that sits up on a branch and he, he watches guard he'll kind of hop back and forth on one branch to the next. And he, it's almost like he's just about half schizophrenic, kind of just looking around, making sure another predator isn't coming in from the sky or from the ground to whack his buddies while they have their dinner, you know? Yeah. And, pretty soon it's going to be his turn and somebody else will take, take guard, you know, they'll, they'll take the shift to watch guard. And so if you're going up a Canyon or in an area where there's most likely a kill, you see a lot of magpies, keep an eye on them. And uh, if there's one hopping around up on a branch and you drive by and the other ones bust up, there's a good chance. You got, you got a kill there, especially if, if an Eagle flies up, if an Eagle flies up, and bust out of there that's pay dirt that's take that to the bank you, you got something something dead over there and then you go investigate it so uh sometimes you'll be unsure so say if you're driving up a canyon or riding up a canyon and you don't go check it out on your way back pay attention if they're in the exact same spot there's a good chance you got to kill there mm-hmm. head on over there and check it out
1: So what all regions of of the West have you hunted lines in, just so we know?
0: Um, Hunted uh, Colorado and the Rocky Mountains, which would be uh, western Colorado and eastern Utah and the Butcliffe region. We've hunted uh, western Utah and, and all of Nevada, which would be the Great Basin region. But the but Colorado and, and the Book Cliff region, that's kind of more or less part of the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. And then you get out to the to Nevada, that's a little that's a little bit different line, a little bit different habits. And then you go down to central Arizona down in the Sonoran Desert. That's uh that's a different line there, different habits as, as well. So three three different regions.
1: Okay. Yeah, and you've seen so you, go ahead, Shorty.
2: So where there's <clears throat> Where there's magpies, do you do you think, in my experience, like you know, of all the birds, the magpies are probably the first ones to find a kill. Um, do you, do you agree with that? And, and it's different in this area. We don't have magpies in this area. It would be the caracara would be the first one to find the kill. But but in those regions, you find that the magpie finds it better than the crows and the ravens and, and the those
0: are yes sir yeah yeah they'll they'll find it before anybody and then the bigger birds come in and they're obviously more dominant so they take over and then they'll have they'll have preference over or you know precedence over that kill versus the magpies because they're smaller but yeah exactly the, the magpies they're they're always the first on the scene first on the crime scene so now uh, that's in the rocky mountain region you get out here to the Great Basin. Once you get north of say I-70 or Highway 50, you get into into more magpie country. South of that, down to southern Nevada, they don't have hardly any magpies at all. So it's rare to have them down there. So you gotta go a little bit more by crows and ravens there. But if you're hunting northern Nevada, Southern Idaho, Northern Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana. Yeah, it's it's good to check on them magpies. Those are those are sure fire sign. You got to got to kill if they're all congregated right there.
1: You said, Cleve. You said there were three different regions, and you saw bird activity that was different. So tell us the difference between like, you know, the eastern slope of color maybe the western slope of Colorado, Great Basin, and Sedona, or Sonora.
0: Okay, <laughs> yeah. The uh, you want me to go just go back over all that.
1: Well, did I miss it while I was getting a buckskin? Is
0: that what I did? Um, I don't know. Ask Shorty. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. maybe. No, yeah. uh, well, I guess Shorty's not there next to you, so never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> oh,
2: I'm uh, sorry. You may, you
0: may have. You may have. But there's there's three there's three regions. So the yep. birds to to keep an eye on in the Rocky Mountains would be magpies. And then crows, there's a decent indication, but crows and and uh, eagles are second, but magpies are first. Okay. But, um, and th- then you go to the Great Basin, we got out, we got uh, uh, quite a few magpies in the northern part of the Great Basin, not southern part of the Great Basin. This would be, uh, I don't know, eastern Nevada, western Utah, pretty much all of Nevada, southern Idaho. That's uh, that's all part of the Great Basin. But when you get down in the southern part of Great Basin, you'll have magpies. So you got to go born by crows. So if you're hunting southern Nevada, all that stuff, maybe into Arizona, if you see a bunch of crows fly up, that's not always that's not always the best indication. But if you see crows fly up, and then just immediately afterwards you see an eagle fly up. You, you better go check it out because that eagle, he's, you know, he's, he's the top of the food chain. He's, he's a wolf in the sky. He, he's the boss. So them crows will be standing around, sitting around waiting for him to finish eating. Then they'll go eat when he's done, he flies off. But if you just see a bunch of crows or ravens fly up, that's not the best indication that there's a kill there because in the wintertime, crows and ravens will feed a lot on pinyon pine nuts. And, uh, they'll, they'll congregate just like they're on a kill, but they, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit different. Once you start paying attention to it, you'll, you'll notice it's different, but they don't, they're not sticky to like, they, they would be on a kill. They're, they're not committed to coming back to that same spot. If you drive through and them crows and ravens fly up, they can find another place of pine nuts just as good as the place they're, they're eating on, you know, um, but if you come back through there and them crows and ravens are on it, then there's decent chance there's, there's a, there's a kill there. But, but most of the time if I've been driving by and I see crows and ravens fly up and I don't see an Eagle fly up, maybe honk my horn. If I'm a pickup truck, honk my horn or something. And if the Eagle don't fly up I keep driving because most time that Eagle, he watches them birds just the same as we do. And Mm -hmm. he's, he'll watch them crows and stuff. And so, yeah, they, they got something to eat over there. Then he goes over there and he bullies them out of there. They ain't going to fight him, you know, right. he will up on yeah. them. <laughs> so, so that's, that's a good indication. And I have a lot of clients that come out hunting from back East and they say, Oh, I just seen a bunch of birds fly up. I think that'd be maybe mountain lion killed a deer or something. I said, no, I don't think so. Why not? I said, there's no eagle fly, flew up and there's a pile of eagles out here. And when I say eagles, not, not uh, bald eagle so much mostly gold eagles
1: Golden,
0: yeah 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 every now and then we get a bald eagle here but not much so we just sit there and sometimes it takes maybe 20 seconds for him to fly up because sometimes them eagles if they're eating on a deer or horse or something a lot of flesh there he can he can belly up a lot of meat and he's he's like a b-52 bomber loaded down with a bunch of tanks or something you know he he has trouble getting off the ground, so it takes a little bit for him to get off the off the ground, getting in the air. So just wait there maybe twenty seconds and honk your horn a time or two. And if he don't fly up, and you probably don't have a lion kill or don't have a dead deer there anyhow. Right,
1: right, right. Yep. So Good information, man. And that's those are the kind of pearls of wisdom that that I think are valuable for a person that says, "Hey, I want to be a lion hunter," and and even if you just want to come out and be a client for for your outfit or or go lion hunting maybe a diy hunt some 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 things that that guys can start looking at
2: well and yeah. too, if those crows and ravens are coming off of those pinions and, and you're running low on sunflower seeds go over there because those uh those pinions are they're ripe and if you've never ate them I prefer sunflower seeds, so I will go over there and scavenge off of the man they leave.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what else you got, for us, Gleave?
0: Um, let's see. I was uh, looking at my notes here a little bit ago.
1: So you've talked about you've talked about you know what to look for for birds flying up and and things like that. Last podcast we talked about where to look. Now we're we're in the right area. Now we're looking for the nuances of of birds flying up and things like that. So we go over, we see birds fly up, an eagle came off of it. We go over there, we we look. Hey man, this looks like this could be a, an eagle kill. So what are we looking? What are we looking for to determine to make sure that this was an eagle kill versus a mountain lion, or I'm sorry, a coyote? Let me back up. How do we determine that this was a lion kill versus a coyote kill or a wolf kill even?
0: Exactly. So when a mountain lion makes a kill, he's, he's pretty neat about it, but he's real clean about it compared to most predators. He's going to bite. He's going to bite through the rib cage, eat the heart and liver lungs. And then he's not really going to tear it up bad. And then, maybe that that'd be the first feeding the second feeding second time he comes in maybe 12 hours later 24 hours later he's going to come in and he's going to feed off the hind quarter or the front quarter if it's in in the great basin area or say colorado rocky mountains colorado most of the time they feed off the front quarter so what off one of the shoulders that be their second feeding and then sometimes a the neck meat but if it's in like the deserts of uh, sonora down in central arizona those lines will typically start feeding off the hind quarter. That'll be their second feeding. So, uh, that's something to think about if what do you for think What what why, why, why the
1: difference? I mean you got the same I think thing.
0: They're, I don't know. I think they're just different lines and they have a little bit different habits. I don't I don't know why, but um I don't know. It's it's hard telling, but uh but do they definitely have a little bit different habits.
1: Do you think there's a possibility that it could be a like a geographical we we kind of get into this with the uh last podcast we did or a couple weeks ago about nature versus nurture if the la, if a if a female has been raised eating off the front shoulder after she goes into the rib cage for a second feeding now she's training those kittens and they do it different I don't know I mean, it's a mystery to me why that would happen.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to tell why why there's such a difference between regions. And I, and that's not saying the lions up north don't eat off the hind quarter on the second feeding, but on average what we've noticed over the years their second feeding will be Okay. And then down down in the Snore Desert that's that's opposite. They'll they'll feed off that that hind quarter first, or they'll off their that hind quarter for their second their second feeding. But um, oftentimes those lines will they'll keep that that keel nice and clean. And then if there's cover available, they'll they'll drag it up underneath the cedar tree or pinion tree or pine tree, someplace where they feel sec- like it's secure. And that, a big tom will drag it further than say a little seventy pound female whether he's stronger you know of course he can drag it where he wants but if they have the choice they'll drag it to where it's, it's secluded and and it's not really visible f- from the sky you know so birds can't see it as well and they'll cover it up <clears throat> versus coyotes if it's a coyote kill they'll get in there and they just they just scatter it they tear the guts out and everything and they just, it looks like a, a deer hair bomb went off when, when coyotes get in there. But there's a difference in how coyotes kill versus lions kill as well. So um, mountain lion, he, he's going to bite on the throat or on the back of the neck. To, that's going to be the, the killing bite, you know, that, that kills that, that animal. If it's a big buck, most of the time they go for the throat because they don't want to have to contend with those horns the mantlers. But if... Um, but if it's a doe or a small buck, we've seen where they'll they'll bite them right on the back of the neck, you know, right at the base of the skull where the spinal cord is and and drop them. Sometimes it's it's a quick death and sometimes it's sometimes it's a war. You can see where mm-hmm. they, they've thrashed around and fought and deer gets back up and you see the lion pounces on him again and drags him down. And it's like, man, that, that lion is having hell killing that deer or that elk. And sometimes it's it's quick death, so it can vary. And sometimes it can vary between the size of the lion and the size of the game, you know. You got an eighty-pound female, she's gonna have a harder time killing a six hundred pound bull elk than than a hundred and forty or hundred and sixty pound tom. hmm
1: But
0: um but coyotes when coyotes kill, say, a deer or domestic sheep or calf or something, if there's two coyotes or more, one coyote's gonna bite on the on the throat. He's gonna latch onto that throat. The other coyote or two is going to flank him. And most of the time, they, they flank him and drag him down, and they start ripping the guts out first. Mm-hmm. So, oftentimes, they'll tear them guts out of that animal before the animal's dead. And then they string them intestines all over. And it's, it's kind of a mess. They don't do a real good job of butchering. <laughs> I will say that. So. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's what? the difference. Is,
1: uh, you know, as you as you describe this, it's brutal and that's okay we need we need to talk about the brutal part because i think the non-hunting public and and the anti-hunting public especially wants to paint this picture of this utopian environment out there where all these animals live in harmony and it's brutal and we're going to talk about the brutal parts not a not ashamed that you you described it just like you did because hopefully Hopefully some, some person that that doesn't know anything about wildlife or hunting listens to this podcast and is like, holy cow, you know, I never thought about it being a violent, brutal death like that.
2: Yeah. And I can tell you, if I was going to be killed by, by animals, I would much rather be killed by a lion than kites. It's a, it's like, like he, like he described it, it's messy, you know, and, and so you like your lines, um, if, if you're confused and you're not sure what killed something, get your knife out, go up, go up through the head, um, I like to go up through the back of the head, back of the neck with a knife, and skin down, skin down around the, the head and the neck, but skin real close to the skin, and almost like it as if you're going to put up a pelt and look at those marks, and, and you'll see, like a lion, uh, when they get older with their claws, that's that's another thing, and this is going to be further back, but people will send me pictures of stuff with, with scratch marks going down them or whatever, and, and those, if you look at the shape of the lion's claw, it's like a thing, anchor, you know, when they go in, they go in and they grab, they hold, very seldom do they pull out, so they get a good hold, but then when they bite, they're gonna bite, and it might take them a bite or two to, to, to get where they want to be. But then, when they do, they're they put the pressure on, and and oftentimes they'll put a hole in the skin. Not always. When they do, though, it's gonna be like a thirty caliber uh, hole. So if you're confused, skin it out. Like skin skin that neck and head out, and and see what it is, or see. If you find holes, if you find just a couple 30 caliber holes, like in the, like he's saying in the, in the back of the neck or, or in the throat region, probably a lion. If if you're seeing a bunch of bruising, and this is a coyote deal, the coyotes will grab like in that jowl area. And, and, and if you've ever seen a dog like bite something and then they're hanging on and they, and then all of a sudden, boom, they take another bite and they, and they, it's like a reset. And they, they keep doing that, that that's what you'll see. You'll see bruising in that jowl area, the throat area. Um, or or you'll see a little bit of chewing on the ears. Uh, that's probably a, a coyote, but I will say if I had to be killed by one, it's it's a hell of a lot cleaner deal and quicker deal to be killed by a lion. But but the word that you use, cleave. Um, messy versus neat—that's exactly how I've always described it, and I've, I've never heard anybody else describe it that way. But uh, a lion kill is real neat compared to a, a coyote kill. When I see a coyote kill or, or a canine kill, and somebody shows me it and they like, is this a lion? I know that that's too messy. You know, so very good description.
0: Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah yeah that that's a good just that's a good idea to to put put that in there to skin that out because that's that's a really good point you know if it's a lion kill you're going to see those those large canine punctures and it's going to be precise instead of a whole pile of them you know yeah exactly that's a good point i never i never thought about mentioning that that's good thinking heck yeah
1: so um we've discovered it's a, we've 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 made all the discoveries here we've looked at the kill we've seen the birds decided it's a mountain line track now we've got this i mean even if it's a mountain line track you don't just have you don't just have mountain lion tracks around it you know you could have eagle tracks you could have magpie tracks you could have coyote tracks take us through that sorting out that that mess of tracks around that kill And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Dakota 283 offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military-grade kennel crates. Uh, I got got one of these two-door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy-duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel. Easily fits in the back of an SUV or if you're traveling with a camper shell, it's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling. You just got to check out their Dash series. This is a watering system, and I've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years, but this system is all integrated into one unit. And the way it's designed out of high impact plastic, The water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it. Check them out. Uh, The 3.5 is also compact enough that I can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while I'm out hunting when it's super cold. I've had exterior tanks before, and as soon as I go to cold climates, then I've got to figure out how I'm going to get water to my hounds, and the dash takes care of that. So check out Dakota 283 at Dakota283.com and at checkout, enter the code HXP10 and get 10% off of your order. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's Warriors hunting with you and your hounds it's easy go to houndsmanxp.com click on the partnership tab and it will take you to Freedom Hunters you can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org support America's heroes let's pay it back visit freedomhunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field
0: so if you if you got tracks going all directions and you're having a hard time deciphering which one is the freshest track to go on assess them. say okay this one the tracks keep going back towards say the south there's a decent chance that's where that line's laying up, you know, if he keeps going back there, there's more tracks going back to the south, but not as many coming from the south. He might be coming into that kill from a different direction, just whatever the way the wind's blowing, he might be wanting to go downwind of it, just to see right. if he's got a coyote right. or something else on that kill. So oftentimes when they come back to that kill, they'll come from east to west and north to south, but he might be going back to his bed and there's a good chance he's probably going to be bedding pretty close to the same spot. Do coyotes, so there,
1: do, do coyotes really pose that much of a threat to him? to, to be worried about him?
0: No, I think I think them, them lions come to that kill because they catch that coyote on there, and that coyote is eaten on that kill. That lion's going to kill that coyote. I've, we found four or five coyotes over the years that have been killed by lions that were caught eating on a lion keel. So,
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. We and we'll, we'll we'll touch on that later, but right now we're, I guess, we'll stay to the hound dog stuff. So look at those tracks, and if there's most of those tracks are leaving that kill and going in one direction, put your dogs, your dogs on that that part of that track. Say if you got eight dogs, there's no sense putting eight dogs on that part of the track. Put four of those dogs on that part of the track. Let them lock in on it. That's what I like to do. Lock in on it, and then take the other four or five. And make a big circle out around that keel, maybe a quarter mile, half mile away from that keel. And there's a good chance you might find the other fresh part of that track. But when you drop two sets of dogs on there, if you have the luxury of doing that, especially with GPSs these days, you can track all your dogs and you see what everybody's doing. Get those other set of dogs maybe on another track. Somebody's going to sort something out. Sometimes what happens is those four dogs you put on that track will split. So now you got that track is split into two tracks that's fine and let them trail take them other dogs your other pack and go out and try to find a track coming out of there from the other end if you find what you think is a good track coming out of that other end put them dogs on it sometimes they'll be going to water sometimes be bed in one spot and then they'll if it's there's no crusted snow or even good snow on the ground they don't like crusted snow as they do like fresh snow, but if there's patches of snow, sometimes they won't go to water, but if there's no snow at all. They'll go, they'll go maybe a mile or two to water to get a drink. And that might be the track that you, you're on a trail. Cause he might be going to water at that time. Mm-hmm. So if I have the luxury of it, I'll, I'll drop two packs. So, uh, even, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So. so uh it works sometimes sometimes you get scattered dogs but uh it it works if you got the luxury of having enough dogs there do that and that's really good um oh sorry about that what's that shorty go ahead
2: no i i I would love what you're saying and if you're worried about having dogs scattered the thing about a kill is they're gonna base off of that kill so even if they go on a on an old track, they're going to go out so far to where that line laid up. They're going to trailer trail. It might be the same track or a different track right back into there, and it just yeah. goes like a like a star. So your dogs are never yep. really going to get too far away from you. So don't don't be too worried about it. Just just turn them loose and let them work
0: exactly and like yeah totally because it like shorty said it's going to be a maze and most time that's going to be like a big star you know like look like big old starfish right there let them dogs trail and before you know it somebody's going to find him and most of the time it seems like the one that does line it out isn't going to be one of your real cold nose dogs it's going to be your free up dog the one that, that that ranges out a little bit further and and he's probably a little smarter than other dogs might not be as intense of a trailer. That's, that's the dog you want to be watching on your GPS. That's the one that's going to bite the lion on the ass and put him in a tree. And at, on that same point, kills are a perfect opportunity to let young dogs get a lot of trailing experience. I mean, there's so much lion scent to trail. It doesn't matter if they're trailing the wrong line, wrong part of the line track, they're getting trailing. That's what it counts. That's what counts. That's what it's all about, you know? So just, let uh let them dogs trail and sometimes you have a pup that's going the wrong direction or something sometimes he's the one that runs into the line and you're like how the hell did that happen but you get a big old tom in a tree and you're like i'm glad it did you know so um it's it's just such a great opportunity to let young dogs trail lions and they're right there and you get to listen to them and sometimes you just sit there on the hillside and listen to dogs tree and or trail until they tree and sometimes they don't tree at all sometimes they trail all day and you don't catch him, but it's it's good training so
2: so please so like and i i totally understand exactly what you're doing why you're doing it whatever um but if you've got for the listeners like okay you got dogs working a track and say you got four four dogs working a track or however many dogs you got working track how do you go about getting these other dogs to go work a track in, in another direction are you trying to get out of out of those dogs voice range how do you how do you get those dogs to go to go how do you go about doing that for somebody that's never done it before
0: yep good point so if you're on if you're on mules, say if you got eight dogs and you want to hold four dogs back that can be tough but um because you're always going to have a bunch that want to fall in but if you can Maybe tone a couple of them back. Same as maybe some of the easier handling dogs, ones that honor you a little bit more, they're not as hard-headed. Tone them back and keep them with you. And when they go to go to those other dogs, tone them just a little bit, keep them right there until the mother dogs get out of ear earshot. Sometimes if if I'm in a canyon, say if I'm I don't have a mule or something, say if you're hunting off uh, out of a pickup truck or side by side, dump four dogs on there, let them first four lock in on that track, the ones that are trail on the track right off the kill drive up to the, to the canyon maybe go to the spring because that that fresh track might be right off that spring and take and and just go right there to where those that second string of dogs can't hear the first ones and that can be tough but um if, if you have the luxury of doing that 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 works pretty good because that way you're not putting all your eggs in one basket but it can be maybe tif- difficult at times but if uh, if you can do it that, yeah, that works even, good
2: and even then don't be surprised if all your dogs end up in the same wad because that track those tracks are just they're going and coming going and coming going and coming it's it's hard to get out of a kill
0: exactly yep that's a good point yeah it had that happen too you think okay i'm i think i got them separated and they all right. fall back to the same way and and most of the time when they do go all go back to the same way that's when you get the line caught and i don't know if the dogs are if they can hear that great sometimes you think man that dog can't hear where really the crap but i don't know if they're clairvoyant or what they are but they can they can sense where they need to go so
1: hey everybody this is a great place to break this two-part podcast up and Cleve is going to be back with us and we're going to go into more about evaluating track skills and how we can up our skills as houndsmen and lion hunters so until next time folks You follow your hounds, I'll follow mine.